Welcome to the new. Every experience with God's Word promises to be refreshing and transformational. Receive today's message with high expectations as it brings power, light, and a fresh anointing to your life. The theme of this feast is commandeer, the language of faith. And in the time that I have, I would teach us some things that the Lord put in my heart to prepare us. Um, I'm very glad we did not cancel the feast. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll tell you, as of last week, I was close to canceling it because it was short preparation, short timing. We had so many back-to-back as a church. And I just felt, you know what, let's cancel it and just focus on preparing for the new year. But when I begin to teach you today, you would know why God wants us to have this. And so I want to prepare your heart for what God is about to do today. Listen, at the feast, and I've said this again and again, it is usually the time of a ch- as a church that we hear some of the most profound testimonies. You know, even up to last night, I knew someone who sent me a message in the middle of the night to say, you know, P.S., this happened to me at the last feast. You know, she said specifically that there was a particular time when I said that people should run. And at that time when she came for the feast, she had looked at her life and wondered what was going on with her life. Her life was just in almost like standstill. And she said that she ran. She ran so hard that she almost, you know, lost her breath. She was just running, just obedience to the instruction. And then she looks back in her life now, one year after the feast last year, and she cannot even comprehend the things that has happened to her. I can go on and on and on and on and on about the testimonies that, you know, we've had at the feast. But I want to say something to you. This particular one is your own. I I want you to believe it. And I want you to be so hungry. And I want your heart to be so stirred. Because... In all humility to God, I've never had a better last year. I've never said, since when I knew myself and I knew God, I'd never said that my last year was better than this one. It has never happened to me before. Never. And it will never. You know, I've come to realize that the same way we have earthly laws that makes things work is the same way we have spiritual laws that make things work. It means that you can literally, like Kenneth Hagen would say, you can literally write your own ticket with God. I'm telling you the truth. In fact, let me put it this way to you and let it, it, it might not land in your spirits because of your religious mind. But if you open up your heart, it will land and sit in a place. Listen to what I'm about to say to you. You play a major role in your outcomes of life. And as Christians, we most times put that outcome on God. Listen, God is ready. Oh yeah. God is ready. He's just waiting for you 
to be ready. And so as we prepare into the next year, prophetically and apostolically, I want to begin to prepare our hearts for all the things that God has in stock for us. You know, the Word of God is able to build us up and give us an inheritance. And that's what the Word of God does. I truly pray that as I begin to speak that, like Jesus says, he says, the word which I speak unto you, can I get an handkerchief, please? He says, the word which I speak unto you, they are spirits and they are life. I truly pray, thank you, that these words would rest on your spirit. And I truly pray that the feasts for you would not be a meeting where you came to mark attendance. That you will look back and say, wow, what a feast indeed. Remember what I taught you on Tuesday? I said, what I wanted to have in your mind all through the service is a picture of you and God. God sitting on this side of the table, you sitting on the other side of the table, and you guys are holding a feast. And that's the picture that I want to have. I wanted to learn how to respond to the impulse of the Spirit, meaning that when the word comes and you know it's your word, if you have to scream, scream. Amen. Amen. If you have to shout, shout. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Just respond to the Spirit. Respond to the impulse of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Leviticus chapter 19. And verse 23. Leviticus 19.23 The Lord gave me a word for the new and when I talk about the new I'm talking about you and I. Amen. Oh, am I in the new? You know one of the best things you can do in this feast is to respond. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Let me tell you this day. Are you ready to be taught? Yes, sir. Are you ready to be fed? Yes, sir. Let me tell you the truth. In partnership with the Holy Ghost and with the angels of God and with God the Father, I've locked this door spiritually. Let me explain what I mean by that. This faith matter, you will know it. This complication of faith. This faith matter. You, you will know it. Yeah. Listen, my wife is here, and you know, one of the ways to know when a pastor is lying or is saying the truth, just look at the pastor's wife when he's preaching. Now, everybody go to look my wife. Oh. Look the word. Oh. But I'll tell you this. I am crazily daring and bold. Crazily. You know what excites me is doing things people say, don't let us touch yet. I just they vex. I say, why? I hope you know it's a spirit. I am never satisfied with anything ordinary. For we have no continuous city, we seek another to come. Never satisfied with ordinary. Because I know that when I get to heaven, or when many people get to heaven, 
for some people will be filled with sober reflection of regrets because they will see what is possible on the earth or the spiritual allocation and earthly allocation put out for them but they never touched so they get to heaven yes rejoicing but only to find out that wow oh boy so I could step into these kinds of things so I could have this kind of things so I could be this kind of a person And that's what I, you see, at this feast here, today, tomorrow, you are going to live more, most likely angry. <laughs> Holy Ghost hunger. Because 2023 is the year, like Pastor Debbie said, it's the year of the daring. I told God in the place of prayer yesterday, in four years, God has helped us to have thousands of members and we are grateful to God for that. Several expressions had impact we've had men raised, we've had God has blessed people I see some people in the new now, I remember when they first joined the new, four years ago some people that you even give you a little bit handout support here and there and now the people sowing in millions and you're just thankful to God for what God has done in people's life but you know, I was saying something to someone yesterday. I said, when are we going to begin to buy three hundred hectares of land in the island to say we want to build a school? A school for children and we are going to feed them not only with earthly knowledge but with the word but you see the problem is this let me listen to me everyone most often than not when we think about some of these things we think about it in a future to come the deception of a coming future would hold people from a coming possibilities or let me put it this way a count possibilities the deception that one day in the future, one day, one day, it go better, it go better, it go better, it go better for me. And you see, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. So the devil is masterminded and very great at powering your hope. But hope is not the substance of things seen. It is faith. There's a difference between hope and faith. So people have spent all their life hoping, and let me tell you something, hope in itself is a spiritual thing. There's a difference between wishful thinking and hope. Most often than not, 85% of believers live in the corridors of wishful thinking, thinking that one day, one day, one day, one day, eventually one day, one day, and one day, one day, eventually one day, and the day never comes. But the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, all the patriarchs of faith, who through faith subdued kingdoms. Ah, Caleb said, give me this mountain. At what age? Something must rest in your spirit today.
listen to me. I want to say something to you very boldly. In this country, in this country, in the next few years, not far away from now, they will not be able to install gov some governors if I don't speak to that matter. You don't, you don't have to say amen to it. No, don't, there's no need for that one. Because the Bible says about Abraham, he was looking for a city whose builders is the Lord. There is a way of life. It's the life of faith. Ah! If you catch it, this feast. If you catch it, this feast. So, Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 23. Leviticus 19, 23. Are you ready for the word now? Say after me, my spirit is opened. And I'm ready. So let's look at it. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 23. And when you come to the land and have planted all kinds of trees for food, then you shall count their fruits as circumcised. Look at what he says here. He says, three years it shall be as uncircumcised to you. It shall not be eaten. On the third year, you cannot eat it. Though you can see the fruits, but you cannot eat it. The new, on the third year, you can see the fruit. It's already taking formation. It's taking shape. You can see the fruit. Remember when I talk about the new, I'm talking about you and I, and I'm talking about the church. You can see the fruit, but you cannot eat it yet. You can see the handwriting of the world. You can tell that there's, there's a grace upon this person. There's, there's something about this person's life. Three years, you can see the fruit. Look at the next verse, verse 24. But in the fourth year, all its fruit shall be only a praise to God. Meaning that in the fourth year, they will begin to see some expression of the fruits. So much so that in the fourth year, we'll begin to give thanks to God. Oh, wow. Look at this powerful fruit. Look at what has happened in the fourth year. Look at the fourth, the fourth, the fourth, the fourth, the fourth. Next verse. And in the fifth year, glory to God. <laughs> And in the fifth year, it says, and in the fifth year, you shall eat its fruits. In the third year, you could not eat it before. In the fourth year, you can only praise God for the fruits. But in the fifth year, they would witness you. They will know what you carry. They will eat of your fountains. They will touch of your substance. It says, in the fifth year, you shall eat its fruit, but it may yield, that it may yield to you its increase. So not only will you be able to eat it, you cannot eat its finish. The more you eat, its yields increase. The more you eat, the more you eat. You, are you hearing what I'm saying? It says, I am the Lord your God. Glory to God. The fifths. <laughs> the fifths. The fifths. Listen what the Lord told me. The Lord said to me that the fifth year is the year of explosion. The fifths. You thought you've seen something. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. 
Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Wow. You know, in this church, there will be people who would have media companies that would match up with people like Vicom, like MTV Base. I'm telling you the truth. Listen to the word of the Lord. Between now and the end of the year, the angel of the Lord will show up to you in the dream of the night. And it would open up a scroll. And a template will be supernaturally handed down to you. I'm prophesying. I hope you get that. It will be supernaturally handed down to you. You never read it in a book. You never went to a school for it. But you woke up with a knowing. Because Noah never went to a school of building an ark. It was supernaturally downloaded to his spirit. It's the same way that company will be supernaturally downloaded to your spirit. For those in tech, the best of God is never in the past. I tell you the truth. Get ready to receive templates to outshine what is currently existing by the Spirit. Somebody shout the fifth. Say one more time, the fifth. Say very last time, the fifth. You may be seated now. Let's get into the Word. I want you to do Two things for me. Three things. Number one, set your expectation. Number two, don't be distracted. Number three, respond to the impulse of the Spirit. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12. One of the signs of an apostolic ministry is mighty deeds. You would see it at this feast. You would see it at this feast. So let's go into the message now. Life! Is spiritual. This is one of the most profound messages that I want to drop in your heart. Life is spiritual. It's the first message part of this feast 2022. Look at me, everyone. If you are able to catch this message, meaning that the truth of this message rests in your spirit. You see it, you hear it, you understand it. You will no longer know no man after the flesh. You would understand that words are spiritual, but most importantly, the totality of life in itself is spiritual. You would understand that one of the best gifts God can give to you is the spirit of faith and also a discerning heart because life is spiritual. I'm talking about faith, commandeering, but there is no way I would start the topic of faith without taking you through this kindergarten school of understanding the spirituality that is called life. Without understanding the realm that is called life. 
without understanding the dictates that is called life. And without understanding most especially and importantly, a life you came to, but not knowing that on the guarded layer is a spiritual zone. I was talking to someone two days ago, and this cracked me, it cracked me so much. He said one day, when he was in, um, in secondary school, university, he said the pastor was preaching, and the pastor was preaching on demons and demonology. And while the pastor was preaching, right, it was like a Bible school, he said, he raised his hands and asked the question, he said, sir, 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 can we, can the devil stay on his own? And, and we just stay on our own. That's, let's just be. Which one is, let's be. Now, let me ask you a question. Is that possible? <laughs> and that really cracked me up. And this tells us reasons why we must understand life. You know what Solomon said? He said, I've seen evils in this world. He said, I've seen kings just walk as non-entities. And then he said, to my greatest surprisation, let me use that word, I've seen servants taking the place of kings. How? How do you explain someone who has no degree, pedigree, nothing to show for life, but eventually the person ruling life? And how do you explain people that have every single thing, but nothing to show for it? I remember when I was in secondary um, in university, I had a message from a man of God who was talking about how a particular man who had three, who had three PhD, three, walked to his office and told him he had no job. He said he was shocked. How would you have three PhD and have no job? Because some things are not only about your certificates. Life is highly spiritual. And so are you ready for this? Are you ready to know how to walk and mastermind this thing called life? I think I'm talking to the people here alone. Are you ready for that? Thank you, Jesus. So let's start. Genesis chapter 1, this is Bible study. So we are going to go into it layer. Are we in the feast? Yes, sir. Layer upon layer upon layer. Then we go on a break. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. Read your Bible. Pray every day. Pray every day. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was overing over the face of the waters. Pause right there. The first thing that we see of the Godhead is that the personality of God is God is a spirit. God is a spirit. The Bible says in the book of John that God is a spirit and they that must worship him must worship in what? In spirit and in truth. And so you need to understand first and foremost 
that the creator of the universe is a spirit. And that tells us that if the creator of the universe is a spirit, then everything the spirit creates is spiritual. Because God is a spirit. Now, in the book of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, you remember when the Godhead came together and said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. This was God having a conversation with the Godhead. It says, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. Now, pause there. We understand the concept of Trinity that we have. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, the only person amongst the three personalities of the Godhead who took on human flesh was Jesus. And Jesus had to do that so that he could come and die for us. But in itself, when John the Baptist saw him and says, Behold the Lamb of God, and in the book of Revelation that it says, Behold the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth, it meant that Jesus himself is a spirit. Yes or no? Yes or no? So, God is a spirit. Jesus is a spirit. Of course, the name of the Holy Spirit gives him out already. The Holy Spirit is a spirit. So when they came together and they said, let us make man in our own image. Now, what do you think they were going to be making? Talk to me. Talk to me. And so they're making a spirit by themselves. He said, let us make man in our image. But what they are going to do this time is that they are going to have dominion on the earth. It says they're going to have dominion over the fishes in the sea, over the birds of the air. And most people think that when God said that, he was only talking about the fish and the things. It was everything in the waters that covers unders. Spiritual powers in the waters. He said, let them have dominion over it. He wasn't only talking about fishes. He says, let them have dominion over the bears of the sky and everything, every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. I hope you know that demons creeps upon the earth. And so when he made man, he gave them power from the beginning. It's from the very beginning man was empowered. Over every creeping thing. In fact, I love the way the Bible puts it. Over every beast. And so in the book of Revelation, you see how the devil was marked as a beast. So it was saying from the very beginning that man has the power over the beast, even so. It says over the air. Who is called the prince of the power of the air? So it was talking about the totality. Let us make man in our own image after our likeness. So then, God made man and made him his own image, blessed man, and gave him the empowerment required. Now, if you open with me to the book of Genesis chapter 2. Life is spiritual. Ah, my God. My God. Thank you, Jesus. Life is spiritual. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. Look at this. 
Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. So, in Genesis chapter 1, God had made the human spirit of man. That was the first thing he did. The human spirit of man was made in Genesis chapter 1. Then in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, it says, And the Lord formed the man of the dust of the ground. So what God did first was to make the spirit of the man. So hear me. What did God bless and empower when he made man? Ah. So you understand when I say only empowered spirit for few purposes now. It was the spirit of the man that was made first. The next thing here was that for this spirit to now have rulership on the earth, we need to make a case, a body for this spirit so that this spirit can rest and rule on the earth because if the man doesn't have the passport on the earth, though he has a spirit, he can't rule on the earth. So he said, let us make a body for man. So you see this next verse in verse 7, it says, and the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground. And so it got dust. You see, that's why when people die, they will say dust to dust, ashes to ashes. Why? Because man was formed from the dust. Do you understand now when Jesus was going to heal that guy who was blind and he made clay from the dust? It was talking about it was from the ground the totality of man came from. Amen. And look at the next thing God did. Then the Bible says, and God breathed into his nursery the breath of life. Look at this. And Man became a living being. At this point, it speaks of the soul of man. It was at this point the soul of man. That's why the Bible says he became a living being. Was he not living already as a spirit? But he became what? A being. Oh, yeah. So for you to be a being... You must have these three. That's why Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, he says that I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body. That's why man is a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a body. Did you get that? Man is number one, a spirit. Man has a soul. And number two, three, man lives in a body. Amen. Amen. So at this point, Adam and Eve were spirits being. That's why you are a spirit being. You see, the problem most times is that we are very conscious of our being, not the spirit being. So we are too conscious about the being. We feed the being, but not the spirit being. The empowerment, ah, listen, this is very heavy. I wanted to listen to this. The empowerment that God proclaimed over man was on his spirit's. Because the spirit would always overshadow the body. So when God says, be blessed, be fruitful, multiply. In fact, the first commandment was be blessed. Not what Moses brought as the Ten Commandments. The first commandment of man was be blessed. The first commandment. You know, the second thing you will see in the Bible, I think is Genesis chapter 3. The Bible says, for rain had not fallen because there was no man to till the ground. And so God has in his wisdom that there has to be man to till the ground. And man was not designed to till the ground in the capacity 
of their soul alone and their body is the empowerment and the enablement of their spirits. You see, this is why every single day of your life, you are passing by a spirit because you are seated beside one. And this is why you can enter into a boardroom and the atmosphere in that boardroom is suppressed by a negative spirit. Because in meetings, there are spirit plays. Oh. <laughs> As this happened to you before, you are doing a presentation and you lost your thoughts. And you could never just come back to it. And you could feel like you don't have utterance. It's, has that happened to you before? Or you enter into your office and it's like something is just off. You see, as spirit people, you must be so conscious. You know, in the Bible, the Bible talks about when Jesus sent out the demon spirit and the madman of Gadara. They cried out with a loud voice, don't send us out, send us to the swines. So Jesus gave them permission. Go to the swines. Do you see the people of the city? They chased Jesus out. They never even thought, who is the kind of person that has this kind of power to do this kind of thing? You see how believers can be. They chased Jesus out. But you see, this is the most important part here. The madman of Gadara who had those demon spirit and the people who had the swines, those ones didn't have, they didn't know anything about the problem of the madman of Gadara. But they partook by proximity to his problem. Who you stay with matters. <laughs> Who you partner with. Listen, some people were fine until they met a best friend. I'm telling you. In fact, some people were fine. Let me tell you. I remember one time Pastor Ladi was there then. We had this meeting with some of our friends who were praying in the night. I think you were there as well in one call. My wife was there. And while we were praying, one of our friends, I said to her, I see something in your hands, like a bangle or something. She said, no, I don't have any bangles with me. I said, I see something. She said, I don't have anything. I said, somebody gave you something recently. She said, no, I don't have. So all of a sudden, while the prayer was going on, boom, a light bulb moment came. I said, wait, 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 I remember. I remember that somebody gave me something some weeks ago. I don't want to go into the deep of the story. I said, while, I was while we were praying, you know, I saw that that thing was off. I said, go, go throw it away. Now, we may never understand the implication of those things. But you must understand that we cannot trivialize the importance that the moment you came to the earth, you came into a spiritual world. It came to a spiritual world. So then, man is a spirit and man must participate in the spiritual. Man is a native citizen of a country called the realms of the spirit. You are a native citizen with an NIN number <laughs> of a country called the realms of the spirit. So this is where it begins to get very interesting. Now, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, follow me now. 
Genesis chapter 3. Glory to God. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Thanks be unto God who always, 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 always. Woo, boy. Wow. I just saw something in the spirit realm. Today is going to be something else. My God. God is crowning men. Wow. Thank you, Lord. I'm ready, oh Lord. Lord, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. This mighty lion is coming. All right, let's be seated. Genesis chapter 3. Are you getting something here? Genesis chapter 3. Because it's very important that I take you to the beginning so that you can understand truly what we call the realms of the spirit. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, as God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now, because of time, I want to just explain some things to you with this scripture. Now, the first question we should ask ourselves is that, was the serpent part of the animals that God created in the Garden of Eden? Yes or no? Talk to me, yes or no? All right, now so then, if the serpent was part of the animals that God created in the Garden of Eden, how come the serpent was now the devil? How come? It meant that the serpent actually only took on the spirit which was Lucifer and took that on. So Lucifer was looking for the next available animal. And then he found the serpent. But there was a reason why it had to be the serpent because the serpent was a prototype. If you remember, when the children of Israel were going out of Egypt, the serpent, you see, everything was orchestrated by God. So the serpent had to be crucified because when Jesus was crucified, it was actually an opposite. It was the finishing of the wicked one, which is the enemy. Ah. Did you get what I said there? And so the serpent was the one that the, 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 the animal called the serpent was the one that Lucifer had to come into to speak through. So it's not all serpents that is the enemy. Amen. I hope you know that demonic spirits can enter into dogs and animals. Amen. I mean, you saw them with the, with the madman of Gadara. get into the Garden of Eden. Now, you must understand that when you read Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1 is the book of the beginnings. However, 
there was a pre-Adamic existence before Adam himself ever existed. There was a realm in the heavens that existed before Adam existed. That is why the Bible says, and God made the heavens and the earth. So then, let's begin to look at what happened, because we're talking about how spiritual life is. Let's begin to look at what happened in the pre-Adamic existence before Adam ever existed. Let's take some time to look at it. And so that way it gives us some context to understand how life is so important, spiritual, and how the fiery darts of life flies here and there, and the only way we can quench it is through faith. Amen. So open your Bibles with me to the book of Ezekiel 28, and let's start from, no, Isaiah 14, and let's start from verse 12. Isaiah 14. Um, I gave someone some um, pictures to show for me, so if you have anything like that, um, you can, I don't know who that person I gave it to, but all right. So if you have things that match up to, all right. Isaiah 14. Are you with your Bible? You see, at this feast, I wanted to open the Bible or I wanted to note it down so that you can understand. The purpose of the feast is so that you, you are taught and you understand. Somebody say, I have understanding. And so I'm not tossed to and fro because I have understanding. All right, so look at this. Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12. It says, how are you falling from heaven Oh, Lucifer, son of the morning. It says, how are you cut down to the ground? Who weakened the nations? Listen, you must identify and understand the personality of your opposition. You must understand. You must sit down to understand the acts, the personality, the tenacity of your opposition. You must understand it. The Bible in the book of Isaiah, the first description of Lucifer in his falling was to weaken the nations. Next verse. Verse 13. And look at what happened here. It says, For you said in your heart, I would ascend into heaven. It says, I would exalt my throne above the stars of God. It says, I would also sit in the mount of congregation. Let me explain what the mount of congregation means. Actually, in the Hebrew, the meaning of the word, the mount of congregation, actually means the mountain of his divine presence. The mountain of his divine presence. Remember I said to you some times ago when I was teaching about the Holy Spirit. And I said that the Holy Spirit is what? The angel of his presence. And so what happens in the mount of congregation or the mountain of the divine presence is that the angels of the Lord, particularly the cherub, would stay there from time to time and worship God in his beauty and his majesty. And in that place, that's why you know, when worshippers are singing, they say they see the glory of God and they bow one more time. They see the glory of God. I hope you know that that's where the Muslim faith comes from when they say Allah Akbar. 
It means that, it means they see the glory of God. God is great. God is the greatest. So they see and they bow. And they see and they bow. And that's what happens in the mount of congregation. In the mountain of his divine presence. You see, in that mountain, nobody can stand before him. Nobody can lift their heads up high, keeping it right there and say, I'm not going to bow. Because when you see the beauty of him, you must bow. But there was one called Lucifer who saw the beauty yet refused to bow and say, I'm going to ascend to that place. Do you understand that? If Lucifer is willing to ascend to the throne of who created him, don't you think he might want to ascend into your, into your agendas? You must understand the personality of this person. It's a stubborn goat. <laughs> Amen. And so in this mountain of congregation, in this mountain of his divine presence, Lucifer then began to raise his eyes because he saw the splendor. I like the song, the splendor of our king. He saw the splendor of his majesty, the royalty of God, the greatness of God, the power of God the abilities of God, the enablement of God. He saw the beauty and for a moment, for a second, he desired it. Let me tell you something. Apart from animals, God has never created any being, both man and angels, who doesn't have the ability to think and a will given to them. Someone can say, why then did God give Lucifer the power? Because you say, oh, why did God give it to him? Because he was a created cherub. And from the creation, he was created to exalt God. So he had a will. It's the same way man has a will. So he couldn't take the will from them. Amen. And that's why many of us have given our life to Christ 10 times with backsliding, backslidden, or backslidden, or some assaulted back, whatever we call it. But yet, God still loves us. Amen. Yes. Is somebody following me? Yes, sir. I need a response. Is somebody following me? Yes, Is somebody learning something here? Yes, so let's keep going. Next verse. It says, I would ascend to the height of the cloud. No, go back to the verse 13, please. All right, to the farther side of the north. The farther side of the north, that speaks of the third heavens. All right, but let's keep going, verse 14. It says, I would ascend above the heights of the cloud. I would be like the most high. Oh my goodness. I'm going to be like the most high. I'm enjoying this worship. I'm enjoying this power. And so, I mean, I can be like the Most High. Next verse. I'll show you why he's saying all these things in a moment. He says, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol. Now, the Sheol speaks of the lower part of darkness. The darker of darkness. If you go and do the research, you'll find out that it's the... Let me keep going. That can enter, take me to another tangent. No, no, stay with me. Don't move until I say so, please. 15, go back. So the lower parts of the deep, uh, to the lowest depths of the pit. Next verse. Those who see you would gaze at you and consider you saying. Now, who are the people that will see him there? 
Because it means that there were people there already. <laughs> they would gaze at you saying, is this the man who made the head tremble? Who shook kingdoms? Next verse. Verse 17. Who made the world as a wilderness? Can you see the personality of the person you are dealing with? Is this the man? And destroy the cities. Who did not open the house of his prisoners? My God. Who refused to open the house? Meaning that the devil doesn't mind for someone to be barren for life. It means that the devil doesn't mind that you can only sing about your potential but never reach it. The devil doesn't mind that you can only keep having dreams. There's a song I used to, used to whine people one time. A very old song. A young man sang one song. says, when am I going to be what I want to be? It's not a worship song. Somebody, somebody's about to lift up their hands now. It's like, time is ticking. I can't wait no more. No, it's not a worship song. It says, when I, meaning that you see possibilities but never step into it. Who locks the doors of his prisoners. One thing is to note, is it not even enough to be a prisoner? Then there's another thing for the, for, for the devil to refuse and still say this door will be locked. It's a wicked devil. Verse 18. All the kings of the nations, all of them sleep in glory, everyone in his own house. Do you see the king... You see why we must commandeer? Because the kings are doing what? You know why? You want to know why? You must understand when the Bible uses these words that is not just there as vocabulary to, for just to talk about. You know why they sleep? Sleeping there means partnership. The reason why they do that is because they don't want problem. So they would rather partner so that he doesn't give them problem. That's why sometimes all things go rosy for you until you get born again. Am I talking to you? All things go rosy until you have a layer of fervency. Then you realize that all the demon in hell is let loose. All things was great until you decided to fast 31 days. Then you realize that all the problem that was locked up somewhere suddenly showed up. Because it's easier to sleep because the Bible says while men slept, the enemy came. So sleeping is a position of partnership. Yeah. Because Adam had to sleep for God to remove his heaps to create Eve. So sleeping is partnership. Adam partnered with God. The same way when the kings of the nation sleep, they are in partnership with the wicked one. So the wicked one will say, my agenda now is to restore idol worship, idolatry. He says, is that what you want to do? All right. My agenda now is to make sure abortion is possible. Or my agenda now is to make sure that rape is legalized. I hope you know we are going there. I hope you know that. Uh, I hope you know that. I hope you know you are going to see all sorts of perversion before Jesus comes. 
Is that what you want? I don't want your trouble. You can have your way. This is why the church is the only option for the world. The church is the terror squad for the wicked. The church. But guess what? The church is sleeping too. The armies are sleeping too. Amen. Amen. Is somebody getting something here? Now go to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel 28 and verse 11. Ezekiel 28 and verse 11. It's the feast, it's a word conference, right? Amen. It says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, next verse, verse 11, 12. Son of man, take up the lamentation from the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus saith the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection. This is Lucifer again. He says, you were the seal of perfection. He says, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. That's why I never understand when people use the devil as black. The with the black horn. And black gown. And they mix it with some touch of red. And then the devil is like this. I am the devil. In fact, the wisdom of Lucifer is seen in how subtle he is. It's not as obvious as you think. How do you know that? If you look at his first conversation with Eve, you can know that his greatest super weapon is suggestions. Did God really say, are you sure? Do you know? Don't you think? Shouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Suggestions. Are you getting it? Amen. Are you learning something here? It says you were full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Meaning that when God created Lucifer, God saw him and said, you have Odu. He looked and finished and said, oh boy, see as you find. Perfect in beauty. Scripture says. Now, go to the next verse. Verse 13. It says, you were in Eden, the garden of God, now watch this. I've taught you this some weeks ago. It says, every precious stone was your covering. So let me explain what that means to you. It says, the saddles, the topaz, the diamonds, the braille, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the turquoise, the emerald, with gold. Meaning that, oh, can I have um, Pastor Victor, please come. Let's assume, this is not the devil, but let's use him. No, so you have to keep your face strong. You know, some people know how to be vexed. It's like vexing smile. <laughs> so let's assume God is creating the devil now. Watch this. Pia, please come. Stay here. Watch this now. So God wants to create Lucifer. Remember, it was God who created him. Amen. That's why I can't bore you and you say you've seen your me. So when we say Jesus' power, say, you know, Jesus is powerful, 
there is no comparison. Like, I don't understand this, this song. Some of, it, as it, you know, balance. It just be like, say, it's just like you tell me that Bam Bam will beat me. My daughter will beat me. P.S. be careful, she can slap her. It's just, is it possible? Does she have the strength of, in fact, you know, I like the way they say it in Yoruba that no matter how old you are, you can't have more clothes. Well, that thing has changed now. This generation, the way they buy clothes, they can buy clothes of 50 years. You say, why are you not wearing, why are you wearing this one? Why did you buy this one? You say, I, I, I bought it for my 40th. How old are you? 22. So, you see, there's no comparison. But when God wanted to create this anointed cherub, Give me a picture of a cherub, that one in the Ark of Covenant. So that you can understand that when God was creating the Ark of Covenant, that was used as a prototype for what the sanctuary and the tabernacle looks like. Whereby the children of Israel would come and meet God so that their sins, all right, would be forgiven temporarily. The Ark of Covenant was a prototype built of what is obtainable in heaven. So God downloaded it to Moses. This is how you are going to build this sanctuary. Because it has to be exactly as what it is in heaven. Amen. If you have that picture, please put it on the screen for me. I want to use this to explain something to you. If you have that picture. Okay, let me keep talking. Someone just give me a signal. Alright, so, so you see, when God was then creating Lucifer... He now said, because of the role that this personality plays, I'm going to beautify him so much that he's going to be the dazzle of the world, the envy of the angelic beings. So what did God do? The Bible says he made him with precious stones. So Lucifer was made of gold. It was made of diamonds. It was made of turquoise was made of emerald, it was made of sapphire. And look at what the Bible then says. It says, the workmanship of your timbers and pipes were prepared for you on the day you were created. What that means was that the, the workmanship of timbers and pipes there talks about music, sounds. So, it was not the musician singing for God, it was the music. Yeah. Are you getting what I'm saying there? So, Music was built with him. The same way kidney was built with you. Are you hear what I'm saying? The same way brain was built with you. It's the same way music was built. Do you know, this is why God can, the devil can bless people. Because he truly has gold. He has turquoise. He has diamonds. He has silvers. Because it was built with him. And you see, truly, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So when you sin, God does not take what he gives to you. Let me explain what I mean. I've used this example before. If Pastor Maya is on the keyboard right now playing the keys, right there, watch this. Just imagine Pastor Maya sins and he shouldn't. The talent of playing keyboard just because he sinned, would he be supernaturally removed from him? All of a sudden, would he forget how to play keyboard? He will still know it, even though he's sinning. The gifts and callings of God. So God doesn't take away what he has given to you. So this is the picture. Now, watch this picture. This is what you have in the Ark of Covenant. 
But give me that scripture back and I'm coming there now. So have you seen this image? Look at that. Have you seen those two cherub? You looked at it. Look at it very well. All right, let's go now. Back to the scripture. It says, and in Eden, all right, next verse. So all of this beauty, keep your face strong. All of this was beauty. Uh-huh, so you see why he desired the throne of God? Because he had certain similarities. He had the gold. Remember, we are walking the street of gold in heaven. So he had it on him. Wait till they step on the top floor. He had it on him. The sound that proceeds from the heavens was coming from him. So he had every right to be proud. He had every right to be boastful. He had every right because he had everything inside of him. That's why the Bible says he was perfected in beauty. Meaning God saw him. And when God said it was good, when God created man and when God created the sea and said, oh, I saw it and it was good. He did not say it first only that time. He had said it even when he saw what he created with, with Lucifer. Look at next verse. He now said, you were the anointed cherub who covers. So give me that picture now. Give me that picture. Media, fast, fast, fast. You were the anointed cherub that covereth. Did you see those two cherubs there? Okay, let me go up. This is what conference, Abby? Are you learning? Yes, sir. Do you understand this? Yes, sir. Amen. So you were the anointed cherub that covereth. Now, if you understand, this part is what they call the mercy seat. This up part here. This is the part where Moses comes in and the priests, not Moses, pardon me, the priest comes in, the high priest. The moment they enter into the holies of all, there is the outer court, there is the inner court, and the holies of holies. This mercy seat is found in the holies of holies. And it's found behind the veil. It's usually a purple scarlet veil. And that was what was rent into two parts when Jesus died on the cross and he said it was finished. Glory to God. Glory to God. So when the priest comes behind the veil, this is what they meet there. And so they sprinkle the blood of lamps on the mercy seat. And the moment they do that, the presence of God would fill up on this ark of covenant. The presence of God would fill it up with his presence. It was similar to what was happening in the mountain of congregation. It was similar to what was happening in the mountain of his divine presence. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Because whenever there is worship, the presence of God flows. So that's what exactly is going to happen. So Lucifer was one of the anointed cherubs that covers. And it's when it covers, that's when the presence falls. So give me back that scripture. It says, you were on the holy mountain of God and you walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You see the liberty. Next verse. 
You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. Next verse. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as profane thing out of the mount of God, mountain of God and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Next verse. Your heart was filled up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings. Now, I cast you to the ground. Do you see how we entered the earth? It says, I laid you before kings that they may gaze at you. Next verse. Verse 18. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquities of your trading. It they trade. It they do forex. <laughs> Therefore I, brought you I, therefore, I brought fire from your midst and devoured you. And I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. So guess what? The devil is no longer as powerful as what he was before. The last description of him here was ashes. Why are you still thinking about him as the first description of him? The last description of him was ashes so that they can and what do we do with ashes we step on it we trodden upon it let me explain to you something this is why when god then decided to make man god now said i would finish this devil now instead of now making man with gold with topaz with silver i will make him out of something that everybody walks on the foot upon out of nothingness, out of nothing, which is sand, dust, I will make him, and he will then become my greatest revelation, my greatest invention. But what will be different this time is not the dust. What will be different this time would be my spirit inside of him. Woo! So I'm going to do away with the externalities. I'm going to do away with all of these um, topaz and golds and silvers and diamonds and pipes and all. I'm going to put my spirit inside of him. So I don't need him to have pipes to sing. I need him to have the mouth to sing. And I need him to be empowered with my spirit, with my anointing, to be able to sing for me. That's what God said. I'm now going to make it different. I'm now going to send Jesus to the earth who will be made of the same dust and then I will show you that dust divided by topaz and gold equals to what? Equals to victory. I'm going to make you sure, I'm going to show you that dust finishes all of this beauty. Because remember, the blessing is on the spirit. Oh my goodness. Somebody shouted 10 times, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. I'm blessed, I'm blessed. I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. I'm blessed, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I like that song that says, Satan, bite the dust. Bite the dust. Glory to God. You see that God's senior ramp in every way. And so he was destroyed. It was the same Jesus that now went to the cross, died. And this man here, 
was then destroyed. Please put your hands together for them. And so you must be informed of the character of your adversary. The book of John chapter 10 verse 6, it says the thief commit to steal, kill, and death. It did not say a thief. It says the thief, meaning that other thieves are lining up under the thief. You know, they are from Q. So is the thief, Gongo, is not a thief. Is the thief. Glory to God. Glory to God. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 6. I want to show you something so powerful as I begin to close up my teaching for this session. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 6. Wow. Is somebody growing in the knowledge of God? You know, the Bible says that we should grow in grace and the knowledge. Grow in grace. Grow in grace. It says grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge, grace, and peace. I think it's 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. It says, great and peace, grace and peace be multiplied. You see, whenever you see the word peace in the Bible, most people think it's sleep. Or most people think is there's no storm. The storm is over, storm is, you know. It's like, grace and peace, peace be unto you. The meaning of the word peace means power to put under control. That's the meaning of the word peace. So when I say peace, that's why when, when Jesus says to the storm, peace be still, he was talking about the power he had to put under control the storm. So we say grace and peace, we're impacting to you power to put under control. Power to have control. Peace is power to have control. <laughs> I speak over you. Peace to your life. Yeah. I say it one more time. Peace to your life. Yeah. Whoosh, for the very last time. Peace to your life. Yeah. Every word I'm saying here will not fall to the ground. Yeah. I say it to you again. Peace to your life. You know, there are some of you, this year has been tough for you. I come with a prophetic word. I say to you now, peace to your life. Every raging storm, I declare peace right now. Power to have control. Receive that power of control from today. Amen. Amen. Be seated. You know, listen, when you go to places and there's turmoil, say peace, peace, be still, peace. It means there's power to control here. Whoosh. There's power to control. Thank you, Jesus. So for Rogotomo no Sifara Catelemondo Sifara Haitas. Shetaragatomo no Sufrediga Pahatis. Thank you, Lord. All right. I'll go into that in the next session. Thank you. Let's run. Let's run. I need, to, I need to begin to wrap up now. We have just one more session after this. We're going to short break and one more session. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Is somebody getting something? Yes, sir. Are you being fed? Yes, sir. Do you want more? Yes, sir. Can I hear you? Yes, sir. Am I speaking to the army? Yes, 
the army of the word and the spirit. Do you want more? Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 6. Watch this now. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 6. This is such a powerful scripture God showed me yesterday while I was preparing and it really blessed me. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And no, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 68. All right. Um, give me the King James Version. That's, that's it. The King James Version. The King James Version. And now ye know what we told it, that it might be revealed in his time. Next verse. For the mystery of iniquity doeth already work. Only he who now let it will let until he be taken out of the way. Wait. It says, only he who now let it will let. Who was he talking about there? He, who is he that let it that will let? Someone says the letty. <laughs> or the letter. Or the letty. The letty will let it let it. So he's, who is he? That let it, that will let. And who is the person they are trying to let? Go back to the next verse. The preceding verse, verse 6. Now, you know that, that you know what we told it, that he may be revealed in his time. Now, next verse. For the mystery of iniquity doeth already work, only he who knows. Only he who know knowledge will let until he be taken out of the way. Next verse, verse 8, I'll show you. And then shall that wicked be reviewed. You remember that preceding verse, verse 6. So who was to be reviewed? Come and talk to me. You got it right. Who was to be reviewed? Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Go to that verse 7. Verse 7. So, if the devil is the one that's going to be revealed by the people that let, or that let it, who are the people that let it? Who are the people that allows for the revealing after his destruction? The church! The church! Listen, if we don't stand in our authority, and take our gap and commandeer our place. If we don't commandeer our place, you will never be able to see the revealing of his destruction. This is why the Bible says in the book of Matthew, it says he has given you the keys to the kingdom. Whatsoever you bound on earth is bound in heaven. Whatsoever you lose on earth is loosed in heaven. So you are the gatekeeper of the spirit realm. Oh my goodness, I didn't hear that. Oh my goodness. Can I have four guys? Four guys. Form this straight line for me. Four, just straight like this. As gates. Face me, face me. Four of you, yeah. Just hold your hands or put your hands in this. Yeah, like that. All right, can I have you, sir? Please come, stay there. He that let us will let. Now, go, go in front of them and face me too. 
Now, those guys at the back there are the gates. And he's the gatekeeper. Because every gate must have a gatekeeper. And the only way to enter into the gates is that you must take out the gatekeeper. If you don't take out the gatekeeper, the gate remains locked. So you have two works to do, actually. The first work is to take out the gatekeeper. The second one is to open the gate. Opening the gate is the easiest thing because you have the keys. But you must take out the gatekeeper. How do you take out the gatekeeper? By faith! Listen, the only thing the devil responds to is the word of faith. That's how you can take out the gatekeeper. Because he that let it will let until you take your place. Until you say no or you say yes, everything is permitted to remain. Until you say no or you say yes. So if I'm coming and I say lift up your heads, O ye gates, be ye lifted up ye everlasting doors. Did you see that that utterance was not a conversation of please. It is a, John, now lift up your heads now. Listen, in the realms of the spirit, it is a concept of decree and declaring. All of this, John, I beg now. God, I beg. No, God, I declare. God, I prophesy. God, I declare. God, that's how it works here. And so when you come and say, lift up your heads, oh, ye gates. You're not saying, lift up your heads, oh, ye gates. There is an intonation. There is a roar of, of annoyance. Lift up your hands, all ye gates. And the way you posture, the devil knows. Let me show you something in the Bible. My goodness, God. My goodness, God. I'm getting excited right now. Listen. Now, there was a war in, the, in Israel. Glory to God. Whoa, I feel an anointing right here. Now, listen. There was a war in Israel. And there comes a shepherd boy, David. And there was Goliath. They called him Goliath of Gath. Goliath was so strong, so big, that he couldn't even hold his own weaponry and his armor. Do you know that Goliath had five guards with him? Five of them. Then comes this boy in Israel who was a shepherd boy, but had the anointing of God upon him. You have the anointing upon you. And you also have the anointing within you. So a greater than David is here. Yes, sir. Oh my goodness. Yes, sir. Stop equating yourself to David. I just want to be like David. No. A greater than David is here. And so Goliath of God was making declaration. David got there, was going to feed his brothers. He says, who is making noise against the children of covenant. Who is making noise? Where is this sound coming from? Where is this boasting coming from? Where is this, this, this words coming from? Look at what the Bible says about David. David picked up five stones. Listen to me. The Bible did not say the five stones represent J-E-S-U-S like they taught you. You know why he picked up five stones? Because Goliath had five guards. Think about it. What, was, what were you thinking? So do you think that you will take one stone, fling it, it will kill one, and the others will be waiting for you to set it and be rolling it? 
before you try another one. What were you thinking? Now, let me take you to another level. You never asked this question before. But look at what David said to Goliath when he got before Goliath. He said, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to cut off your head. What? Wait a minute. But David never had a sword. David never had a sword. So, what was he talking about? David saw the battle won before he stepped into it. He said, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to cut off your neck. Oh, the host of heaven says, come on, come on, come on, come on. I tell you, God loves when we look for spiritual trouble. Yes, sir! Guess what was going on in heaven? God has said, Michael! Come, 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 come! He don't cause trouble. 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 <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Shalemondo kovaile la fata la baya. Helemontu kosuso forokondos. And Michael was probably saying, let's allocate an angel. An angel of slaughter. So as he went before him, the Bible says, when Goliath walked before towards David, David charged towards him. He did not go back. As he was coming, he charged towards him. Say, who born, who born monkey? Who are thou or uncircumcised Philistines? Without a covenant? With an Israelite that has a covenant? Not only does he have a covenant, he's now anointed. Somebody shout, I'm anointed. Oh, shout, I'm anointed. Oh, shout, I'm anointed. It went before him. Flinged it. Oh, boy. Life is spiritual. Life is spiritual. How would the velocity of a stone hit the head of a warrior? Life is spiritual. Something in the spirit realm activated. Let me tell you something. You have the permission to cause trouble spiritually as long as it activates and empowers the agendas of God. Listen. There was someone who was opposing the Israelites' promised land. I like the way the man of God puts it that in every man's land there is a giant. So there were giants, or there was a giant who was holding against this guy. The difference between you and your possibilities and your giants is your audacity of faith. Your boldness of faith. The ability to say, I'm gonna go and do it. I'm gonna bite more than I can chew. And then I'm gonna watch God either lead me to it. But since I was old, young, and now I'm old, I've never seen a righteous man forsaken, nor his seed bread for bread. I know and I'm assured that whenever I step out in faith, God is there to hold me by the right hands. So he threw the stone, and Goliath of Gath 
And did David cut his head off? Oh, yes, he did. You know why? Because he saw that he was going to cut it. That's faith. And he did cut it off. The gate was open. Do you know that the war that happened in heaven also, I hope you know, let me tell you, teach you something. That war between Goliath and David was not the physical battle of what happened. It was a war of words. Goliath of God knew that if I could charge him, he says, am I a dog that you come to me with slings? He was trying to make him question the stones he took. Have you seen the tactics of the devil? You question what the... It, it helps you question your strategy. Am I a dog? And David did not keep quiet. This is the problem of many believers. They keep quiet. Jesus did not keep quiet to the devil. He spoke back. He said, look at you. I'll cut your head off. I'll cut your head off. <laughs> they spoke back. In heaven, when we say the warfare that happened between the Godhead, or not even Godhead, the angels of God, and remember when the body of Moses was going to be taken, and the Bible says in the book of Hebrew, the angel of the Lord and Lucifer was fighting and dragging for the body. And what the Bible say? It says, the angel said, the Lord rebuke you. You see, those words in heaven, when we say they were fighting, it wasn't like they were sword. It wasn't like they were doing taekwondo. Or like karate kid. It was war of words. It was war of words. In the realms of the spirit, words are spiritual. Jesus says the word which I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So you don't respond with warfare with thoughts. You respond with words. Oh, a, a foul spirit is saying to you, do you know that by this time next year, you're going to be dead? You're not going to say, I don't know if that, I don't know if that. He said, you foul spirit, I rebuke you. Oh no, the covenant says, I shall leave and not die. Do you know that by this time next year, you are not going to be married? Oh, you foul spirit. You must learn how to speak back. Because you see, the angels of God are to the voice and the words of a servant. So they want to take your words. But if you are not releasing words, there's nothing to hold. It's words. It's words. You keep using words. You keep using words. I'm blessed. I'm the light of the world. I'm a city set upon the hill. I, I hear what I'm talking about. I'm buying real estates and multitudes. <laughs> We're buying a building for the new cash. That's how you declare words. Leave too much deposit of words that your children will reap the inheritance of your words. You didn't hear what I said. So a good father doesn't only leave physical inheritance. You leave words that has gone ahead of them. Remember, Jesus did it with Peter. He says, Satan, I've tried to sit you as a weed, but I have what? Prayed for. He had spoken words ahead. So you know you can speak words ahead of your grandchildren. All I've been paid, you are blessed. Irrevocably blessed. You know, Paul said, I've finished my course. I fought a good fight. Whether to stay or to go. But he said, I will stay. It means that even at your 100 years old, 
you still want to take some mountains. And then you say, I don't do everything. This one is add-on. Then you speak to your grandkids. You say, this one, this kepta is not leaving this family line. This capital of priesthood, this capital of finance, this capital of favor, this capital of power, I hand it over. Glory to God. So you speak for the gates to pass. You speak for the gates to open up. Be seated. Let me close now. Let me close now. <laughs> Somebody laugh. Ha 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 ha. Ha 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 ha. Do you know that every believer, don't forget this. Do you know that every believer has a spiritual force field? Hmm, listen to this one now. Every believer has a spiritual domain. Let me explain it to you this way. Have you seen when you are in a place? The other day, I think we were, my wife and I, I think we were in um, maybe Belgium and we we're in the airport or so. And we we're, were trying to use the internet. And the Wi Fi, if we go, if we're upstairs, I don't know if, I don't know the country, I can't remember, I think it's Belgium. If we are upstairs, the Wi Fi will be at the full bar. And whenever we go to the, to the down part, the Wi-Fi will come down. So you know how it is? One, two, it's like three or four layers. It's the same way every believer has a spiritual force field around you. There's a force field around you. Now watch this. The greater your anointing, the wider your force field. Ah. The greater your impact spiritually, the wider your force field. It's the same way there are certain brands that covers West Africa in terms of telecom. And there are some that's only in Nigeria because of the widespread of their force field. It's what we call spiritual domain. Every believer does have one. You must be conscious about that. Now, in that your spiritual force field, and in that your spiritual domain, the wider it is, the farther some things away from you. The wider ground you cover, the farther certain demonic atrocities around you. The farther, it's like a signal that says stay off. It's like a signal that says keep off, keep off, keep off. Danger here, danger here, danger here. The lesser your promptness, your depth, and your spirituality, the smaller your spiritual force field. And some things hang around you. The club around you because your Wi-Fi reach is not reaching. And guess what? The force field of every person, the devil knows it. <laughs> you can pretend depths, but he knows. He says, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Who are you? Who you be? 
spiritual force field. Do you know that every time you pray, every time you worship, every time you fast, every time you retreat, you seclude for a new anointing, particularly pastors and ministers, this is so powerful for you. Your spiritual force field increases. Your level of spiritual impact increases by your spiritual force field. It grows more. It reaches. And you would see it in different dimensions. Number one, the loyalty of your people increases to you because of your spiritual force field. You would see it also that there will be ease in oppression. Those who are called to ministry, I want you to hear what I'm talking about today. Because of your spiritual force field. There are certain things that will not just enter your camp because they are going there. It's like, stay away. I don't know if it was um, Spurgeon who shared a story of John G. Lake who said one time that God showed him a vision and some demon spirits and their chief host was going from house to house and the chief host was at the back like this walking and demons were around and he said, yeah, enter into that house. Enter into that house. And the demons were going into the houses. So they got close to where um, John G. Lake's house was and one of the demons that did not send message was just hopping and going, just entering. Then the chief host, the ogre, just to say, ha! <laughs> you want to burn? <laughs> Do you know that's how it is spiritually as well? Listen, you are not permitted to have some kind of dreams. Tighten your spiritual force field. Ah, yeah. If whatever it is God has put in your hand is being weakened, take your spiritual spanner and tighten your spiritual force field. The heavens open and say, this is my beloved son. Hear him. A spiritual force field increased. Until that day, everybody was compelled to hear Jesus. Because God said, this is my son. Hear him. Spiritual force field. Spiritual force field. For those who are called to government, politics, business, I hope you know you need a very high spiritual force field. Because you must be able to enter into certain domains and they can tell that somebody that covers more ground is here. You suppress the works, their enterprise. You suppress it because your force field is stronger stronger. When I go from meetings to minister, I always want to know what force field is operating here. Let me tell you something. I hope you know it's one thing to be anointed and it's another thing for your words not to fall to the ground. Meaning that you declare something. You know, I, taught, I learned this. My father told me this many years ago. Many years ago. I will never forget this. My father. We were in a church and we're going to leave. My father said we should leave that. We've been in that church for years. Years. So I asked my dad, why are we leaving this church? So he said, he noticed that this man of God has power and he can see visions. It means he has prophecies. It will flow freely. But the power to establish 
and to enforce what he has seen and what he's saying is missing. I hope you know that it's one thing to declare that by this time tomorrow, this would happen and it's another thing for it to happen. It's an activation of your spiritual force field. Pastors, those called to ministry, this is the enablement and the empowerment required to do ministry with ease and effectively. Because the Bible says, my people shall be willing in the days of thy power. When there's no power, there's sluggishness. When there's no power, there is dragging. When there's power, the people move. Because the spiritual force field is strong. And as ministers of the gospel, what the devil tries to do is to weaken your spiritual force field. He weakens it. And it keeps weakening it. It weakens it to the point that sometimes it's harder to rebuild. It's easier to add on than to rebuild. Don't let it get to the point where it's weakened so bad that you can't rebuild. It's now like you have to hold it while it's hot. Remember, you must learn how to strike the iron when it's hot. In your life, you look at your finances, you see that my finances used to be like this before. All of a sudden, what's going on here? Increase your spiritual force field. You look at your life, you say, the, the, the favor I've been experiencing before is not the favor I'm experiencing now. Look at your spiritual force field. Is it stagnant? Is it moving backward? Or is it moving forward? Thank you, Jesus. Somebody's been empowered right now. So life is spiritual. I'll close with these last words. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever thought about this? That Moses went to meet Pharaoh. Think about this. This is so powerful now. Thank you, Jesus. Moses goes to meet Pharaoh. You can show me pictures on, on screens as well, please. Just be as prompt with me. Moses goes to meet Pharaoh. And Moses says to Pharaoh, let my people go. Now, watch this. Moses knew who Pharaoh was before he went. I hope you know. He knows the kind of person Pharaoh is. Do you know, let me give you a little bit of description. If you go and read a little bit about Pharaoh in, the, in, in, in concordance, or you go to do your little bit of research. Pharaoh and Egypt had gods that they served. And they didn't have only one god. They had several gods. In fact, I'm going to talk about that later in the, in the next session when I begin to talk about the sotu, because I'm going to talk about um, the audacity of faith. But I want to talk about it from the perspective of the subtle return of paganism in our times and why we need faith. Because Ifa, Shongo, all of those things, they have repackaged. It's no longer what you see again. It now lives within us. If the believer is not built up, they would be like Solomon who would have gone to bow to Molech. Ah, I wanted to hear that message. Oh. 
because you can, you can be like Aaron who builds the golden calf and says, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt. Amen. Somebody getting something here? Somebody getting something here? Are you tired? Are you tired? It's the feast, isn't it? So we came, it's like um, Believer's Box of Victory or Southwest Believer's Convention of Kenneth Copeland or um, um, Kenneth Hagen Camp Meeting where we just sit and we just get impregnated by the word. Amen. We just get impregnated by the word so that we can give birth. As soon as Zion travails, scripture says, breath forth. And so let's go back to Moses and I'll close with Moses. So Moses knew that the God of Egypt had several gods. Pardon me, Pharaoh had several gods. And Pharaoh would say, oh, I want this God. Oh, I don't want this God anymore. I want this God. Take down this God. Remove this God. Take this God. Build this God. Then Pharaoh goes <laughs> to meet Moses, pardon me, goes to meet Pharaoh and says to Pharaoh, the God of Israel says, let my people go. Number one, I know Molech. I know the gods of the Amorites. Who is your God? Your God should have a name. You didn't even come to me to say Abraham. At least I might know that one. You didn't say Jacob. Then you come to me without the name of a God and you say, the name of my God is I am that I am. Pharaoh is like, are you okay? Because in Pharaoh's mind, the way the system of Babylon was designed is that there must be an image that represents a God. So when you come and say, the name of my God is I am that I am, then you are saying that you don't have an image. Okay, where is your God then? You say, he lives in heaven but rules in the affairs of men. Then Pharaoh says to you, I'll kill you today so that you can join him in heaven and join him in ruling in the affairs of men. But think about it, everyone. I know you've never thought about this before. Think about it. Think about what I'm about to say to you now. Pharaoh, Moses goes there with such boldness and audacity. And when he gets there, he drops his rod. And as he drops his rod, God didn't tell Moses what was going to happen. In Moses' mind, Moses is thinking that you won't dare my God. He can never share his glory with anybody. All glory, all honor, all power. In the mind, they don't feel, say, I go show you. Have you gone for meetings before and you say, like, I go show them, say. He got there, drops his rod. The rod turns to serpent. Guess what Pharaoh did? Pharaoh was laughing. <laughs> Ooh, serpent. Something that they use, I can call my magicians when I'm bored, that I want to see different animals. And they would just be throwing the thing until we change into different man. This guy, you don't know anything. He calls his magicians. Guess what would probably happen to the magicians when they got to before Moses? You know what they'll say? Because when you are before your boss and you want to impress, you can imagine what they're saying. They'll be laughing, saying, son, which kind of animal, which kind of snake do you want? Anaconda? Python? 
Which other one day? Cobra. Which one? Pharaoh. Pharaoh just say, give me Orishi Rishi. Orishi Rishi. Say Orishi Rishi, right? Right. So they drop their rod. Wula. It becomes what? A snake too. Let me ask you a question. The Pharaoh said, I cannot talk. I'm afraid. When their rod became serpents and snakes, what do you think happened to him? He probably said, God, you must show yourself strong. But then all of a sudden, (laughs) you can have what I have, but you cannot be empowered as I am. We can be in the same business. We can be in the same career. We can be in the same line or mountains of influence. We can be in media together, but you can never outshine the power that I carry. Listen, this is the mind that you must have as Christians, guys. This is the mind as we go into 2022. Buy the whole field, guys. Take over everything with a spirit of faith. You know the problem about faith in our generation is that people are too scared. Motivational people, speakers, pardon me, has taught us so much about failure, failure, failure. Listen, it's okay to fail. Because the Bible says, are they known? They wouldn't have crucified. So in the, spark, in, the, in, the, in the concept of people, they thought Jesus was a failure. But are they known? Sometimes you would be the one that I, you, had you known. Do you know what I mean? So you might think you failed, but it's not a failure, it's a setup. So why not just dive in? Listen, guys, you need that boldness to dare the impossibilities. You need that boldness. Let me ask you a question, guys. At the end of the day, what are you losing? Think about it. If you don't dare it, at the end of the day, what are you losing? Some of you need to sell your car to pump money in a vision God has told you, but you don't even know if it will work. And it's okay for it not to work and come back to church and thank God that you obeyed. Then only for you to find out that it was really part of your story. You see, one of the reasons why I stopped testimony in church sometimes is because that thing, see, these things are methods. So you can learn the method of what somebody does but it doesn't mean that that's the method designed for you. Amen. Dare the possibility. Dare the impossible. Step out and do it. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, let me close with Moses. Moses got there. Throw the rod and swallow the serpent. None left. Now, think about this. Have you ever thought about this in your life? Please think about what I'm about to say. Why did Pharaoh never thought of assassinating Moses? Why did, why did Pharaoh assassinate him? Did he have the power to? Where was Moses living? Talk to me. Where was he living? Wouldn't they know his house? Wouldn't they have his driver's license, his plate number, his car number? How come Pharaoh could not assassinate him or even thought of doing it? 
Because the moment God showed up to Moses in the burning bush, he gave him a word. He says, I will be with you. Listen, as I close. That's the only word that you need. I will be with you. I will be with you. And The Bible says Moses brought the children of Israel out. They went on a long journey. The Bible says that the sound house was growing by itself. How do you explain how you would go on a journey for almost 40 years? And the sound house, there's no other shoemaker like that, was growing. Look at that. The part of the Red Sea, the sandals never went bad. As the, someone who left Egypt at the age of 12, at what age? So it means that if he used a size 6 shoe, at maybe 10 years later, he was already using a maybe size, what? 10 or 20. So it was growing by itself. Growing by itself. No shoemaker. How do you explain that? The Bible says none was feeble amongst them. Do you know it's possible for a congregation that nobody is feeble amongst them? It says none was feeble. There was no fencing. There was no fancida. There was no prastamon. There was no ibnogobi. There's no each other. None. It was feeble amongst them. Open the scripture and rise on your feet. Open the scripture with me. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 6. We're going to read these scriptures together, everyone. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 6. One. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 6. No, no, no. For a weapon of our warfare are not carnal. First Corinthians. Verse 4. Verse 4, please. Verse 4. Verse 4. No, no, no. 10, 4. 10, 4. Not 4, 6. 10, 4. I hear out a new sound. Raw, a new song. What's that part again? It's come. One more time. Let's sing it. A rare out a new song. A rare out a new song. All right. A raw, a new song. The old is done with. The new, the new has come. One more time. A hair out a new sound. I roar, I roar, wow, the old is the new, one more time, sing it again, I hear a new sound, 
the sound of boldness. As the sound of power. As the sound of capacity. One more time, one more time. Sing. I hear a new sound. Mighty Lion has come in first. World, I'm coming. World, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. This mighty lion has come. Did you get that? Let's sing it again. World, I'm coming. Oh, world, I'm coming. World, I'm coming. Lift your two hands. I'm coming. Sing it with so much light. This mighty lion. This mighty lion is coming. Woo. Oh, word, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. Word, I'm coming. Yes. I'm coming. Yes. I'm coming. This mighty lion. This mighty has lion come. has come. Oh, word, I'm coming. Yes. I'm coming. scripture there. Let's put that scripture. One, two. Let's read together, everyone. For the weapon of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God in pulling down, casting down imaginations and every eye thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Verse 6. And having readiness All right, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. All the things I showed you about all of this patriarch, from David to Moses, you see how spiritual life is. Because Pharaoh could not touch Moses, even though he could, because life is spiritual. All right, Ephesians 6.10. Ephesians 6.10. Let's read together. One, two, ready and read. Next verse. Next verse. Next verse. God with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet short with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you are able to quench the fiery darts. All right, 1 John 5, 4. 1 John 5, 4. 
1 John 5, 4. Are you ready? One, two, ready, go! For whatsoever is born of God, overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even my faith. Oh, sing it one more time. One, two, ready, go! Are you an whosoever? Are you an whosoever? Am I an whosoever? You're going to say this way, for I am born of God. Are you get that? I overcome the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even my faith. Did you get that? All right, one, two, ready, go. Even my faith. One more time, one more time. One, two, ready, go. hope you were greatly blessed by today's message because God still has so much he wants to share with you. So stay connected every week to experience uplifting and life-changing moments in his presence.